Warning, this episode will contain explicit content. This may be offensive to children under the age of 18. Also, this may be offensive to some adults as well. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Use and Abuse the Music Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Kim. And this is episode 60. Today we're going to be listening to our final and last testimony from the 1985 Senate Community Hearing on Record Labeling. We'll hear from Eddie Fritz, William Steading, Robert Sabatini, Sir Caldwell. Due to the length of this testimony and the Senator's question and answer period, we will not be doing music history. This last week in music news, music purchases, and yes, we know we need to get that crazy amount of vinyl that was bought back over the two days of May 17th and 18th uh, done and let you know what we got from that. But at this moment, this one due to the length again of this testimony and question and answer period, we're not going to include any of that in today's episode. So with that said, take it away, Chairman. Danforth. Finally, we have a, a panel consisting of Mr. Eddie Fritz, President of the National Association of Broadcasters, Mr. William Stedding, Executive Vice President, Central Broadcasting Division, Bonneville International Corporation, Mr. Robert Sabatini, WRKC-FM, uh, Camp Springs, Maryland, and Mr. Saref Caldwell, uh, Ruston, Virginia. Mr. Fritz. Your name is first on the list. Why don't you proceed first? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. As you have mentioned, we represent the National Association of Broadcasters, who in its membership records 4,500 radio stations and over 850 commercial television stations. Of the 25,000 or so individual songs which are released each year, only a small number of these songs have lyrics which genuinely raise parental concern. And as the principal trade association of the broadcasting industry, the main avenue of action for NAB when a problem such as the porn rock phenomenon arises is to generate industry awareness and sensitivity, and particularly the awareness of those at the top of our industry. Thus, on May 13, 1985, I wrote executives of more than 800 radio and television station group owners in the United States to alert them to the public concern that was developing over the issue of porn rock. Several articles have been written on the subject for our weekly newsletter to our membership, which is sent to every NAB member. The broadcasting industry response to my letter has been generally very favorable. In a number of cases, senior executives wrote or told me in person that they had not been aware of the explicit nature of some of the music being played on their stations until they received my letter. Some songs they found inappropriate for their audiences were removed from the playlists, and new songs are being monitored now more carefully. I believe the industry as a whole now has a higher level of sensitivity to this problem and to the general desirability of maintaining certain levels of good taste in programming. A few weeks after I sent out my first letter to the group owners, we discussed the porn rock problem at a meeting of the executive committee of the NAB Board of Directors. The conclusion which emerged was that we might be able to help our members respond by asking the record companies to supply copies of the lyrics when they made new records available to broadcasters. 
Thus, on May 31, 1985, I wrote to the chief executives of 45 record companies that together account in sales for about 85% of the nation's recorded music. And I asked them to make all recordings available to broadcasters in the future, which would be accompanied by copies of the song's lyrics. Although there was a good deal of support for this proposal among broadcasters, the recording industry was not overwhelmed by the idea and subsequently rejected it. Since we became involved in this issue, I and other members of the NAB staff have been in regular contact with Mrs. Tipper Gore and Mrs. Susan Baker and other leaders of the Parents Music Resource Center. Last week, the Radio Management and Programming Conference in Dallas, NAB sponsored a major session on this issue, which I chaired. It featured presentations by Mrs. Gore and others from the PMRC, by Stanley Gordikoff, president of the RIAA, who graciously agreed to participate on the panel. I view this panel as another step in our effort to make broadcasters understand the nature of the public concern about the issue so that they can formulate an appropriate response. The FCC expects each licensee to determine what the words or lyrics on a record are before the record is broadcast. And the FCC holds each broadcast licensee responsible for what it puts on the air. But even more importantly, broadcasters are held responsible in their local communities. If our listeners and our advertisers are not pleased with us, they will turn us off, the ultimate censor. Each station must choose for itself how best to serve its own respective community. And not all listeners will like what every station in the marketplace has to offer. NAB will never attempt to intrude into any station's programming judgments. What we have endeavored to do is to balance the need for voluntary industry restraint along with strong sensitivity to the First Amendment concerns. I think this effort has been successful. All in our industry now know that there is a problem which needs to be addressed and that they must make a conscientious decision about how to respond to the concerns about porn rock as they go about serving their audiences in their respective communities. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Fritz. Mr. Steady. First of all, I'd like to take uh, the opportunity to thank the Senate Commerce Committee for bringing together a panel of witnesses today for the purpose of analyzing carefully the issue of pornographic rock and its impact on American youth today. It is my hope that a consensus can be reached toward resolving the issue in a self-regulatory manner. Bonneville International has consistently advocated the limiting of federal regulatory involvement to those areas of significant public concern not susceptible to voluntary self-regulation. However, because of the importance of this issue, if all voluntary efforts fail and the problems inherent in the airing of pornographic lyrics continue unabated, it is my personal opinion that some form of legislation may be appropriate. I think it's very important that we understand what the issue is that is before us today. What this issue is about is about the influence of today's popular artists on American youth and the abusive behaviors which some artists desire to popularize through their lyrics and music videos. What this issue is about is about consumer information, not censorship. It's about freedom of information, freedom of choice. We can, however, have little hope of resolving this issue without the compliance and cooperation of every contributor to the marketing chain of contemporary music. While the recording artists cry for freedom of expression and cloak themselves in the nation's highest principle, the First Amendment, they, through popularizing abusive behaviors, deplore the common principle of responsibility to their fellow man. All we're asking for is that these artists and these record companies 
come clean with America regarding the disclosure of their lyrics and the content of their music prior to funneling it through the powerful chain of distribution that includes not only record retailers but radio stations. We are, not, we are not asking for the editing of music or the exclusion of lyrics from public consumption. What we are asking for is responsible disclosure of product information to the public so that the radio stations and the consumer can make a more informed decision regarding these records' exposure on the airwaves or their consumption in the home. Over the last few years, I have been highly involved with this issue from the standpoint of promoting its resolution in the broadcasting industry. One of the primary objections that people throw out to the idea of not playing music which is offensive in nature is that a radio station cannot compete in a marketplace if they do not play all these songs. I come before you today as evidence of one station in one market, KAFM in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, that has risen to great success over the last three years since entering the contemporary hit radio format and adopting policies of eliminating offensive music. Since August of 1982, the time we went into the format and adopted these policies, the stations have risen in success from 24th out of 27 to a high ranking of third. The stations remain competitive in the marketplace today as advertising revenues have in increased more than six times those of 1982 and profits have increased <coughs> by similar amounts. Our financial success is due not only to increases in ratings, but also due to the fact that several of our advertising clients will advertise with our station and not with our competitors simply because they know that their commercial will not air in an offensive environment. Our success on the air and radio has also been duplicated on television in Dallas-Fort Worth. Through cooperation with Gaylord Broadcasting Company's KTVT Channel 11, KAFM simulcasts a music video program called Texas Hit Review. The program, I'm proud to say, is number one in its time period and beats, in fact, the network program of the same nature produced by NBC called Friday Night Videos. We have a similar policy in place for the selection of music videos for the production of Texas Hit Review as we do for selecting songs for airplay. The point is this, be it on radio or television, we have succeeded at KAFM in presenting positive music to our marketplace. As this committee is well aware, the Communications Act places the responsibility of all programming decisions directly on the licensee of each station. Even so, if I had to cite any negative about the process KAFM goes through to exercise that licensee responsibility as it relates to its music programming, it would be the lack of information available to the station. The station manager has no regular access to the opinion or input from the recording artist or the songwriter. This lack of broad representation for information and input led KAFM in the spring of 1983 to propose a National Music Review Council to the industry for the purposes of creating a national awareness of this destructive impact of objectionable lyrics and to achieve self-regulation on the issue of offensive or pornographic lyrics. Our proposal provides for the establishment of four councils located in New York, Detroit, Nashville, and Los Angeles, where 90-plus percent of all contemporary music is produced. These councils would represent every segment of the marketing chain of music. In other words, each council would constitute itself by having membership representing the recording artists and songwriters, the record companies, record distributors, the broadcasters, the record retailers, and the consumers. These councils would review the contemporary music produced in their respective markets, and if acceptable, based on the policy developed therein, the record would receive the seal of approval, much like a good housekeeping seal, on the album cover before it went to the radio stations for consideration for airplay or before it went to the record retail outlets for consideration of purchase by the consumer. We have to say in 1983 that response to our proposal was mixed at best. To quote uh, Stanley Gordikov in his response written to us on August 19, 1983, 
quote, I just deplore in principle any single review body sitting in judgment as to what is right for all Americans to hear, unquote. I find it ironical that now Mr. Gordikoff is proposing that the record companies sit as a single review body in judgment and label records which may or may not be offensive based on their own judgments. I guess what he meant in 1983 was that he deplored any single review body that's not his own. This brings us up to the current efforts and current proposals before this committee. In concept, the National Music Review Council proposal differs from other proposals brought before this committee in a couple of very key areas. First of all, it advocates the representation of every element of the marketing chain of music. Second, it advocates positive listening, positive labeling, excuse me, of music which is acceptable. Third, it seeks the voluntary cooperation of broadcasters and retailers in using their discretion as to what is played or, or what is sold through their retail outlets. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have today is to consider what is practical, what is reasonable, what creates the highest benefit for the real world and society as a whole. What we need on the issue of pornographic rock is a consumer information thrust which gives the National Music Review Council the opportunity to review every piece of contemporary music before it enters the American marketplace and label that music as acceptable or not. Whether this is in the form of ratings or positive labeling or whatever, the important thing is to make those judgments and seek the compliance of the radio station and the record retailer when it comes to the distribution of these products. All we're asking for is that a parent has a better chance of rearing their young adults, or that the teenager has a better chance of avoiding these types of popularized abusive behaviors being promoted by some recording artists. Mr. Stetting, you, you've gone over your time, I'm sorry to say. Thank you very that's much. Fine. Mr. Sabatini. Thank you very much. My name is Robert Sabatini, Jr. I'm speaking on behalf of WRKCFM, and that's at King's College in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, not in New York or Kentucky or Camp Springs, Maryland. Um, we are very concerned about, what rec about record labeling and its impact on college radio programming. College radio is generally alternative programming, playing music which hasn't been discovered by our commercial brothers yet. WRKC prides itself on playing these songs, giving listeners in the Wyoming Valley a musical alternative. Some of this music could fall under the categories of sexually explicit, promoting drug use, or violent, as we are discussing today. But what do those titles mean? Everyone here can find songs that truly offend our tastes. Some of this music could be played by radio stations, and in fact, many are. But at WRKC, we restrict their airplay to late night hours. We exercise discretion over what and when music is played. There's a great range between Disney and Deep Throat in lyrical content. That music makes up a sizable share of our alternative programming. This music talks about the human condition, love, hate, sex, violence, and the need to escape. These artists are making a statement about society, and they should remain unhindered in expressing themselves. Groups that support record labeling say they don't want to censor records, but they ignore the effect that an ex-label has on a radio station, a retailer, and a record company. A chilling effect would encourage record companies to sign artists that don't cause controversy, like requiring a warning label. Less music would be available, and that would be something that offends no one. This chilling effect would cut back on available programming for alternative music stations and deprive all of us of significant music. Smaller labels without the large roster of artists to fall back on would be the hardest hit. These labels, which we are very dependent on, are vulnerable because they don't have the financial resources to fight labeling restrictions or the muscle to convince retailers and radio stations to stock and play their music. Radio stations don't exist in a vacuum. We're dependent on record companies and retail outlets just as they are dependent upon us. 
If a record store declines to carry records with a warning label, maybe record sales of a group of artists fall in that area, even though a radio station is playing their music. So a record promotion executive says to himself, wow, no record sales in this area. I guess the radio stations aren't very effective. Let's take their name off the mailing list. College radio doesn't have the financial resources that our larger brothers have, so we are very dependent upon record companies for programming material. Maybe a radio station doesn't want to play labeled records. Listeners then lose the opportunity to judge for themselves what is obscene or violent and what isn't. We're also concerned about what announcers would be required to do before playing a labeled song. Should we say this record contains sexually explicit material, listener discretion is advised? Actually, that wouldn't be too bad of an idea. Forbidden fruit usually has its followers, and we can certainly use the boost in our ratings. We question what constitutes violence, sexually explicit, or promotion of drug use. We could spend a year throwing examples back and forth, but in my written testimony, I've left you with a few examples to mull over. Will record companies be required to label all types of music, rock, jazz, classical, soul, country, and patriotic? Will older as well as newer material be covered? We look forward to the day when we see a violence or sex label on a Frank Sinatra record because it contains Mac the Knife or Strangers in the Night. Then we will believe that this isn't an attempt to put down currently popular music. Underlying this discussion about record labeling is the unstated assumption that records cause changes in their children's behavior, especially among those who have already got problems. Does rock records or rock music negatively affect children? We've all heard studies about studies when a researcher puts 10 seven-year-olds in a room with baseball bats and then plays, in quote, aggressive music. Inevitably, the boys use the baseball bats, leading the researcher to partially conclude that um, music contributes to aggressive behavior. But has there ever been any real, has there ever been any research conducted in the real world? It's naive of us to believe that labeling records so parents can know what their children are listening to will alter their behavioral patterns. Let's look at our children's environment before we go gung-ho into labeling. Rape, murder, and everything else unimaginable abounds on daytime and primetime television. Domestic violence scars thousands more than any record ever could. Maybe we should ask ourselves why there is violent or sexually explicit lyrics out there. People are focusing on some ill-defined symptom of society's breakdown and aren't looking for the cause. Some people here have said music reflects our society. In Barron's last week, there was a chart showing different music trends. And basically what it said was that when music becomes uh, downbeat, aggressive, that something's wrong with society. Maybe we should take a look at that. We hope that the general public becomes more aware of what their children are listening to and respond if they believe that unacceptable values are influencing their children. This could be accomplished better by writing one article for a popular magazine like Ladies Home Journal than a year's worth of warning labels and wouldn't be censorship, which record labeling is. We've heard a couple of comments about the Night Stalker. It's inferred that this music by ACDC contributed to this guy's committing murders. I'll put that in the same category as the Twinkie defense used in San Francisco and the television defense where the kid said he saw the um, murder on Kojak and felt compelled to commit the same thing. In Florida, let's look at how many people have been killed in the name of God. Do you want to ban God? We thank the committee for allowing us and me the opportunity to testify on, on the behalf of WRKC in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Thank you. Mr. Caldwell. 
Good afternoon. I would like to uh, thank you for the invitation to speak this afternoon on the subject of what some would call the explicit nature of lyrics in today's popular music. My name is Surf Caldwell, and I am a radio announcer on WWDC, DC 101 FM here in Washington, DC, and also a uh, co-host of a segment of Panorama on Channel 5 television, also here in Washington, DC. I've been doing radio for 16 years in this market. Although others today have made the strong argument on the legitimate concerns raised by the subject, that's not my primary purpose for the appearance today. I, I believe that neither I nor any other individual is fully qualified to render judgments regarding the moral implication of any form of artistic expression, including contemporary music. However, for those who choose to make such judgments, there are some very real dangers that any proposed action to control or to limit the availability of certain records will amplify the problem that they seek to solve. Many people have argued here today that today's popular music is merely a reflection of today's more explicit society. And certainly it can't be disputed that from movies to print to television, we are almost constantly exposed in every form of media to both explicit and graphic depictions of our modern world. However, to point an accusing finger solely at contemporary music really demonstrates a fundamental misapprehension of the problems and concerns at hand and any attempted solutions. First, as our society has become more sophisticated, young people in general have become more sophisticated. Thus, any of the perceived harms that many feel will result from today's songs must be viewed in the proper social context. Ralph Cramden promised his wife weekly trips to the moon back in the 1950s. We were not patently outraged when this happened. Words and actions which today would be viewed offensive, per se. Nevertheless, now as then, we as a society are sophisticated to place such scenes in the proper context. And I think certainly few of us would elevate the honeymooners to uh, a TV show that advocated spouse abuse. Similarly, today's young people viewing musicians that to all outward appearances would offend their parents are intelligent and sophisticated enough to play such performers in their proper context and to make their own judgments. And in fact, many of these musicians are viewed as little more than glorified comic book characters. Really, to underestimate the ability of young people today to make these perceptions just begins to expose the problems that anti-regulatory steps would create. Secondly, it must be recognized that any attempt to impose a standardized rating system similar to that for motion pictures is an overreaction to the perceived problem and could in fact produce results contrary to those intended. Mr. Chairman, your daughter had a good point on listening to lyrics, that it may indeed raise the uh, attention to these lyrics that uh, isn't happening right now. Uh, the effect of a backlash against such a rating system is a point surely that uh, has been raised by a few, will not be repeated here now. Uh, in that regard, however, it must be noted that the songs complained of today represent a very, very small fraction of all popular music currently being produced. And by highlighting just a small percentage of that music as explicit or needing of parental guidance is only going to serve to unduly focus attention on these subjects, I, I believe. This result is more probable due to the traditional perceptions of young people that popular music is an exclusive voice of their peer group. As a radio personality for over 16 years, I have seen radical and fundamental changes in this business. Be assured that the nature of radio has significantly changed from the freeform days of the 1960s, and further be assured that no song is played on contemporary music stations that has not been previously reviewed by station personnel. These people uh, are aware of FCC guidelines as well as community standards of our listening audiences. And quite simply, the economic marketplace defines what is broadcast. An FCC license is far too valuable to be jeopardized by the playing of songs that would offend their audiences. 
Similar considerations apply to other segments of the industry, such as the record companies and distributors. Again, it comes down to the fact that a particular song or record will not be made or distributed unless there's an acceptable market willing to receive it. The inherent problem, I think, of determining standards to categorize lyrical content on a broad national level is the fact that parental ability to set guidelines for their children will be directly undermined. It cannot be disputed that in every community in this country, it's different, just as every young person is different. A national rating system will deprive all parents everywhere of responding to what they believe is the best interest of their child. Finally, a proposed rating system for lyrics offers no assurance that these problems complained of here today will simply vanish or diminish, even if certain songs are targeted as offensive and effectively kept from young listeners. The explicitness of all of today's media would surely continue. Nevertheless, should it be determined that some action is necessary, it's important that such a step be taken with extreme caution so as not to overreach and effectively ban all popular forms of musical expression or to chill a creative talent of contemporary musicians and artists. Any such effort must be carefully designed to ensure that fairness is applied by those whose judgments and interpretations will control the uh, dissemination of popular music. All segments of the music industry, as well as society at large, must be allowed adequate input into this. Further hearings should be conducted, fully exploring all sides of these issues, and many of the people appearing before this committee today, I think, would be a natural starting place. For while the symptoms of our modern society are being examined here today, precipitous action will be a false cure at best, and just another disease at worst. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Cowell. You know, when I looked at this witness list um, yesterday, wondered what today's hearings would hold in, score, in store uh, for the Commerce Committee. And I, I must say, I looked at it with some trepidation, concerned about the problem of, of uh, maintaining some degree of decorum in the committee room, what sorts of statements would be rendered by the various witnesses. I did not expect that we would wait for our last panel to testify to hear the most cynical statement that I've heard yet, and that's Mr. Sabatini's testimony. You are uh, the director of programming for a college no, radio sir. station? No, sir. I am testifying on behalf of the radio station. Oh, you're testifying on behalf of a college station? Yes, sir. Do you? Does your testimony reflect their views? Yes, it does, sir. Man, I'll tell you, the, the, the cynicism of whoever is running your college station uh, blows my mind. I thought that there was some degree of idealism left. Your testimony is, as I understand it, the problem with this all is that it uh, interferes with people's ability to make a buck. No, sir. What it interferes with is our ability. Well, we, we're not making any money off of it. We're yeah, just but the whole thrust of your people won't... Uh, won't send you records to play, business will go down, dollars won't come in, people won't be spending money. Uh, I mean, that was or what I got won't. out of your testimony, that this is, uh, the, 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 the great value is the, is the pursuit of the dollar. Or the great value might be that we are allowed to listen to music. Now, we have to pay for music, at least on the disc way, by buying discs. Now, music coming into a radio station that comes to us generally free, we play that. Now, for us, for people to hear it, we have to play it. And if um, you know, retailers don't stock it, then, or if, if retailers won't stock it, 
and it gets back to the record companies that this music isn't selling, then other type of music is affected too that isn't you know, necessarily what you'd call porn rock. I will just say that, you know, I mean, I have not advocated legislation, don't. My whole thought in, in the hearing was that it is, uh, that, that, that there are concerns and there are values out there in the country beyond the value of the dollar. Mm -hmm. And um, that whatever value system we have in the country is brought into play by letting that system work on and speak on mm -hmm. what's happening in the country. And therefore, to me, the idea of bringing out into the open what's in these lyrics and then allowing some system for labeling so that families can know what's in the lyrics is simply a matter of openness and disclosure and the permitting the, the values of this country to be exercised for better or worse. Maybe we as a people will decide that incest and rape are perfectly fine. I don't think that that is the attitude of the American people if they know the facts. I think the attitude of the American people, if they know the facts, is that this isn't what we want to stand for as a people, and this isn't what we want to stand for as a country. And I think that the attitude of mothers and fathers is, this isn't the kind of thing that we really want in our home. That's the use of a value system. Once again, the audio does cut out, and we, we just are given static while Chairman Danforth was talking. Um, so we come back in and it will be Chairman Danforth or actually Mr. Sabatini talking and then Chairman Danforth. Let's get back to the audio. Judge what's on the music. But who's to say, uh, we're all very tied into this and the economic forces that say, okay, this stuff, this music is bad. That's how bad music fades out into oblivion because the economic forces push it out. Well, I can say who's to say, and everybody said that today. Who's to say? Who's to say? Parents are to say. Families are to say. Communities are to say. That's what makes values in this country. It's not Congress. We hopefully reflect the values of the country. We don't make the values of the country. Hopefully parents and families and communities will say what is tolerable and what isn't according to our value system. That's all... The, the parent group is asking for, all they're asking is just put it out in the open and let the parents say. Then a, a lyric sheet would be acceptable to them. Maybe so. I'm, I'm not part of this negotiation. Maybe so. Senator Gore has indicated that he thinks it's a good idea. Senator Gore? Yeah, indeed I do. I, I think that might be a solution if the industry could work out uh, the remaining... Uh, problems associated with getting the, the uh, publishing companies to, uh, to cooperate with the uh, record manufacturers to get those lyric sheets so they're available to the uh, DJs and to parents. Uh, I think that would be a, a very good way to, to uh, try to solve this problem. Um, I just wanted to elaborate on one thing for the record, Mr. Chairman, and that is to underscore the fact that the National Association of 
broadcasters uh, was the first group that uh, really uh, responded to the, these concerns as they were being uh, initially raised and uh, immediately uh, wrote uh, letters to uh, broadcasters around the country and said, uh, look, this is a real problem. Uh, we have a responsibility as an industry. And then formally requested uh, lyric sheets from the record companies. And uh, I just want to say for the record that I think that uh, reflects very well on the sense of responsibility uh, on the part of the NAB and on the leadership of, uh, of Eddie Fritz in that respect. And uh, I, I think it was a, a very action you got from uh, uh, some other parts of the entertainment industry, a courageous step, because you did get a lot of criticism for that. And I, I just wanted you to know that, uh, that uh, there are a whole lot of people who appreciate it and believe that you did uh, the right thing. Um, Mr. Stedding, I, I think your uh, heart's obviously in the right place, and uh, you've uh, made a commercial success out of uh, imposing those kinds of uh, uh, imposing uh, some standards on uh, the uh, material that you play. And I wish you the best. Just for the record, briefly, I'd, I'd like to say I have some concerns about the. Uh, uh, music uh, review, National Music Review Council idea, but I wanted to bring up other uh, one other uh, subject, and and uh, and that is uh, uh, in uh, my briefing material, uh, I find uh, the statement that your uh, station or stations sometimes change the uh, the words of songs. Is that right? Excuse me. Let me move the microphone. Uh, the process at the stations includes a review of every piece of music that comes into the organization on a weekly basis, which uh, sometimes can be as many as 100 records from record companies. Uh, and we go through a very complex process in terms of determining the four or five songs that we may potentially wish to add to our playlist. Uh, the very last step before we put it on the air is to review the song uh, between myself and between the vice president of programming for lyrical content. And we do have a policy that uh, we, we follow to... Uh, uh, that states basically that if uh, we find it offensive along the lines of uh, popularizing abusive behaviors that involve uh, uh, sex, uh, violence, yeah. or drugs or alcohol, that we will do one of two things. We, were, we will either not play the song in its entirety, we will just uh, abandon it from uh, consideration, or we will uh, edit the music uh, uh, with the compliance of the record company uh, before we put it on the air. Now, of course, uh, we have two reasons why we do that. One is that we have a very high responsibility uh, granted us by the FCC to represent the public interest and along the lines of, of that responsibility uh, review the music that we play on the radio station. Uh, but also uh, I think it really puts the issue flat back on the uh, recording industry in that uh, when faced with the option of not having their song uh, played, uh, they very uh, readily uh, wish to have it edited uh, as long as we will play it and add it to our playlist. So. Well, I, I certainly applaud your willingness to refrain from playing uh, songs which you consider offensive and that you consider inappropriate for your, your audience. I guess I have some, uh, some real concerns about uh, um, uh, editing or, or actively changing uh, the words. You say with the uh, compliance of the record companies? Is that what well, the record promoters who come and bring the music to our station each week uh, are well aware and, in fact, make suggestions on time, at times of which lyrics to, uh, to edit before airplay because they understand our, our position. Yeah, well, okay. It's obviously a complex legal 
question, but uh, I mean, I think it's noble to uh, forego the, uh, uh, to, to not play songs that you think are offensive, but to go ahead and play the songs, but to take out the, the individual words you think are offensive. I mean, I think the artists and the record companies may have something to say about that, but uh, that, as I say, that's a complex legal question. Uh, and uh, again, I, it's obvious that your heart's in the right place and you, you uh, would uh, like to give uh, support to the effort to increase sensitivity within the recording industry and get uh, uh, some self-restraint. Uh, Mr. Sabatini, you, you uh, uh, belittled the uh, connection between uh, ACDC and uh, uh, the the uh, alleged uh, Night Stalker. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's uh, fair, and I'll wrap this up real quickly, Mr. Chairman. I don't, I don't think, think it's fair to uh, blame the record company or the group for what this accused, uh, uh, evidently psychotic murderer did. Neither do I. Uh, at the same time, there have been a number of violent acts associated with uh, the same, same group. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this particular case, he had a hat with uh, the name of the group on his forays and uh, wrote the words of their songs on, on the walls of his uh, victims as they lay uh, uh, dying in their beds. Uh, and according to his acquaintances, was a big, big fan. And one of the uh, songs actually spells out what a night stalker <laughs> does. Uh, that. Uh, when combined with the uh, incidences of uh, uh, young kids committing suicide while listening to other songs from the same group glorifying suicide, suggests to me that uh, the company that is making a lot of money from that from those uh, sales uh, ought to be willing to to say to, to ask themselves, uh, are, are are we uh, doing something wrong here? Don't we have some responsibility to this country in which we live, to the mm -hmm. people of whom we're a part? Uh, doesn't that uh, trouble you that uh, that that uh, there are, have been uh, several uh, instances like this uh, associated with uh, these explicit uh, lyrics from just uh, this one group? Yes, it does. There's, I, I can't comment for a record company or for a group saying that we will not we should not have these songs on it it'd be outside of yep. my bounds uh, but yes it's troubling but can you say that definitely this song is going to make a per this person this individual type person you know whether drug problems or whatever commit crimes yeah is there that direct correlation uh, well, no, as I say, I don't yeah. think it's fair yeah. to, to do that. However, I think that the... It is troubling. Yes, sir, it is. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I've run out of time, and I, I, I wouldn't pursue it otherwise. Senator Mr. Mr. Chairman, very briefly, first of all, I want to thank you for your leadership and for giving this committee the opportunity to hear from uh, many witnesses today and talk about a very important issue. I want to commend uh, you, Mr. Fritz, and the National Association of Broadcasters for your very constructive response. And I simply want to observe that probably the most important word in a democracy is no. Uh, that in a free society, not everything goes. That unbridled freedom leads to chaos and to loss of freedom. The Supreme Court has said that 
Freedom of speech is not without limitation. And I would hope that in this industry there would be a measure of self-restraint. And I would encourage the leaders of the industry to respond responsibly to this very real national concern, to exercise a measure of restraint. And I think everyone's interest will be better served. Absent that, I would predict that there would be a response from the elected officials of the people of this country who are very concerned about these kinds of activities and who have judged them destructive, destructive of lives and destructive of our society. I want to uh, thank the uh, members of the committee for their diligence today, and I want to thank all witness and witnesses, and especially the members of the last panel, for um, staying with us for such a long period of time. That concludes a five-hour hearing. Well, and that is the end of the five-hour hearing. Oh, all right, so Kimberly, let's go ahead and get your opinions on this testimony and the question and answer period from the senators. Okay. Well, the thing is, is the panel that they, they, uh, that appeared, that appeared before the Congress, the senators, some of them have valid points. Some of them don't. Again, it still goes back to what, one of them said Sabatini or something. You put labels on the records and they're not going to sell. And with them being a little radio station and not getting the funding that they're. I mean, the, come on, they're college radio. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're not, they're not your big friggin' radio stations in your yeah. big area. So, I mean, they get their money, how they get their money. Yeah. You know, so he, I mean. I don't know. I, I can't. I mean, who gives her? I mean, I really don't care if college radio has gets records or not. Yeah. I really don't care. Well, yeah, I don't either. It's just that. And then to sit here and lecture the one, the first or second witness that testified, I can't remember who it was, about editing the lyrics. It's like, okay, but how do you know that they haven't also talked to the artists and the record company well, and got their permission too. Well, I mean, he, he stated right there it the, uh, gosh, I can't remember what the guy, pretty much the guy that brings the records to them from the record companies, record promoter, record promoter. Thank you. He, that person was actually telling them where, you know, certain stuff was that they might want to edit out. So obviously right there, it shows you that they're, that at least the promoter there, dude knows what's there now to, kind of back off real quick what you're saying i want to go to and of course most of you know i always revert back to the dirt book and um this is under tom uh, tom zutat's uh chapter in the dirt and it's right after a lecture released too, too fast for love and he says and i quote it was a disaster the priority for the label was an australian band called cold chisel and everybody in the promotions department was intent on making them the next big theme. Okay. So on and so forth. So he went to the head of the radio department and I quote again, listen, I've got a station in Denver and another in Colorado Springs that just added Motley Crue. They're not interested in cold, chis cold chisel. 
but I'll keep working on them, end quote. Then the radio, the, the radio department head from Malecha yelled back at him, and I quote, I don't give a fuck about Motley Crue. They're not a priority. I do not want those ads. You tell those stations that if they add Motley Crue, they can go fuck themselves, end quote. Yeah. So right there, what does that tell you? It tells you, it tells you that the, re- the, the record companies have more control over what the radios play than the radios do. Right. And exactly. And so, again, you know, part of it, I do agree with Sabatini, okay? If they don't have the sales, then they're not going to get free records. I mean, that's the first thing and foremost. Radio stations don't buy their music, people. I mean, if you didn't know that, the music they play on air is not bought. No, it's, it's not. given to them. It is. Um, matter of fact, on one of these videos here coming up, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, on YouTube, you'll actually see, we actually have got a radio copy promotion for Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin Brothers, I think it was, that has all the inst- all the stuff that the record company shoves in there for the radio stations. And we'll go over it. On I'll go over on a video, and maybe we'll even dissect that video, or I'll put that video, or, you know, I'll, I'll do it on air to, or as an episode of the show, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll dive into that. But, um, for, for me, the last guy, Mr. Cal, Cowell. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He brought up some interesting information. I know he did. That you know, was interesting. He, he brought up the fact that, you know, back in, you know, the time of the honeymooners when they were on TV, it wasn't looked at bad when Ralph would say, you know, pal to, to the, the moon, moon and back. You know? Yeah. But in 1985, that was seemed offensive. Well, yeah. Yet it was on TV. We had it was always on TV. It was on cable TV, and most of us laughed at it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, the whole point of Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo don't you know, sleeping, not sleeping together. Yeah. You no, know, we didn't look at it weird. No. Oh, excuse me. Anyway, so there were a lot of good points brought up, um, especially, you know. Like, I, I know I kind of went off of you and said, I really don't care what a, radio, a college radio station gets. But, you know, I, I mean, most of their, as far as I, and again, I'm not speaking from experience. I don't know. I would assume most of their dollars come from either uh, small town advertisers. So for them to be playing racy, you know, sexually, or, you know, sexual, old call, or, you know, Satanist music, I would say they're pushing their, their, their luck, their luck with that because well, yeah. most, you know, unless you live in a, an area where it's not that big of a deal, you know, you're going to be handed by, and I'm sorry, by the Christian crowd. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I'll tell you one thing right now. And well, actually, you know, I'm going to save this for next week when we do our recap. Okay. When we go over and kind of just give a recap of what we've learned. And, you know, pretty much what's, have I changed my opinion compared to when I was 14 years old when this first was going down? Because I was pissed off at 14. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know, it, there was, you know, obviously there was a little bit of Cindy Lauper and a little bit with Madonna and Prince. But mainly it was, it was against Motley Crue, Wasp, you know, all, all these hard rock bands I liked. Well, Judas yeah. Priest, you know, and Iron Maiden, you know, Ozzy. You know, so it's like, you know, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was my 14-year-old, you know, self. Well, you know, yeah. At the time. And, but, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, in almost 50. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, I've got, like, 
I'm 47 right now. It's like about three years ago before I'm 50. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, we're, or two years, well, technically two years ago. That's true. I'll be turning 48 this year. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of it's changed. I mean, I can probably, I can honestly say when we, when we started this, I expected me to con myself to constantly go off and off and off about all oh, how effing stupid this is, how dumb it is, how, you know. It's still a witch hunt in my opinion. Okay. Well, yeah, but you're hearing it for the very first time. I I know this. You didn't, you didn't grow up going through this. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you lived through it, but you didn't know about it. No, I did not. So there's a difference there, you know. But you got anything else? To, I mean, I guess my biggest thing is is probably for once, I would almost, I mean, one, you can tell, like, Chairman Danforth doesn't have a clue how the record industry works. Yeah, I noticed that, yes. You know, when he's like, I'm shocked that, you know, here, the last one, and this guy's, you know, it's about making a buck. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that what all companies are about? Yeah, exactly. Every company is about making I mean, I, a dollar. And like I said, I know I said I know I said what I said about college radio, but I mean, I know they're still in business to make money. I mean, they yeah, all are. Yeah, they are. They're a radio station is a radio station. Yes, it is. You know, and it's all about the the advertising dollar. That's how they make their money. Well, yeah, ex- exactly know? how they make their money. So if they're, you know, and if so, if record companies quit stop sending them free records. You know, and this is the thing back in the day, it was free records. Yes, it was. Um, then they don't have programming. No, they don't. Or they're going to have to figure out how do we go out and purchase the records that are out there. Well, yeah. And then one thing is, if you go look like a billboard, you'll see that like uh, college radio has a different listing of songs than what's on the Billboard Hot 100. Yes, they do. I mean, it's like he kind of said, you know, we're kind of the alternative to popular music. Yes, right. No, uh, yes. They, they get it. They get they get stuff before their big brother radio stations get them. That's true. They you do. Know, so they get you know like your underground, your 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 underground artists, artists that maybe aren't assigned to Atlantic Capital, Electra, uh, Geffen, Mercury. Well, yeah. Now it's Universal Music Group. Yeah. But I was thinking back then. Oh, okay. You know, CBS Records. But, you know, when it comes down to it, they still need to get their money from playing, you know, from having advertising. Yes, they do. But, and- again, like I say, if you're playing racy stuff, well, there's, there's advertisers not gonna, are not going to promote on that. No, they're Especially not. Especially if they have, you know, the Christian values. Yeah, exactly. Especially if your town I'm is sorry. fully uh, you know where I stand on Christian values. values. You know where I stand about Christianity. <laughs> yes, I know. And that's a topic for another time. <laughs> Not for this podcast. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, emails you want to add? Nope. Nope. Just nope. No. Because it's just, I just, it just sounds like me that those senators didn't have a clue what went on in the music industry. Not a well, clue. Okay, but they are, you know, they are senators. And I mean, you and, know, as far as one thing I do want to kind of bring up, I know I think it was uh, Gore brought it up. He brought up again the ability about pr- printing the lyrics. Well, wait a minute. If you guys just, if you just made a, legis- you know, legislation or, or whatever regulation saying that 
all records, all albums had to, all or all songs, albums, and singles had to be incorporated into, uh, or having lyrics printed. But then there's nothing the publishing industry can do about it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know one other point I want to bring up. Uh, I think it was Steading when he was talking about um, how having these different groups uh-huh. of censors around the country was uh, Los Angeles, Detroit, New York, somewhere like that. Yeah. Well, I just, okay, first of all, does the motion picture industry have that? No. Not that I'm aware of, as no. As I know, it's all in California. Yeah, it is. Okay, so, and, you know, really when it comes down to it, most of your music r- recording comes out of New York and comes out of uh, L.A. And most yes, of it, it does. Of, most of it comes out of California. You know, nowadays it's a little bit different because you have, you know, where everybody's got, can you, got garage brand pro tools and all that stuff at, at home. But when it comes down to it, your major labels are still using New York and L.A. Yes, they are. So, I again, I don't see the need for multiple groups. No, I don't either. Of people trying to figure out what needs to be censored or or what needs to be edited. Yeah. Or what needs to be labeled or rated. Well, yeah, and I agree with you there. But anyways, that's we'll, we'll get into probably more of that next week. Again, next week on episode 61, uh, we will, which is also the day, episode 61 comes out the day, hopefully my daughter and granddaughter are on their way down to Arizona. And hopefully she's, um, hopefully Mike, or yeah, hopefully Mike will join her, um, which is her, her man. <laughs> um, but that'd be great. We'll have, so next weekend we should have some visitors. Yes, we should. And then, uh, yeah, so next week's episode, we're actually going to record it probably within the next couple of days. Yes, we are. Um, so we'll, we'll get part of it recorded. We will obviously, cause we're going to reincorporate the news, uh, music history and all that stuff. We, it, that stuff will wait to be recorded until later in the week. But as far as the main episode goes, I think we're going to re- re- actually record that over this weekend. Just while we got this last one fresh in our memory and kind of see where, where we went from there. So tune in next week. We'll be closing out finally on the PMRC. And going back to music. It's funny how I thought this was going to, well, you, hopefully we go back to music. You know, yes. We'll see. We'll see where we go from here. Um, I really, I know when we started this, it was really looked at, I was just going to do uh, the, the PMRC's testimony, John Denver's testimony, Dee Snyder's testimony, and Frank Zappa's testimony. But then as I got more deeper into it, I realized, you know what, you need to do the whole thing. Well, yeah, because it needs to be done. It need because it's all a cum- accumulation of everything. Right, right. It's just not certain testimonies. It's everything. Right, but other than that, you know, um, and then we'll we'll go. I mean, we're gonna go. We'll go over a lot of stuff, kind of like, uh, just to give you an idea. We'll be going over. Uh, shoot, uh, how can you get? the label how does a artist is it is it mandatory or, or or voluntary uh back then they were talking about being voluntary uh but we'll go over whether or not it, if it is mandatory or voluntary um and the problem is is if most of you noticed it is only attached to uh the popular artists minus country music 
Yeah, it is. Which I mean, it's pop rock. You got your hip hop, and you got rock and heavy metal. They're the only ones that have to do. Uh, only ones that do this. Nashville does not do this. Yeah, I noticed that. Which you know why they don't do it, don't you? No, why? Every, almost every one of their songs would have to be explicit. Yeah, they would. Because they buy almost every song from country speaks about alcohol. Yes, it does. So, you know, and maybe that's, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but maybe it's time to hold them to the standard. Well, I agree with you. But we'll get in, hopefully we'll get into that a little bit next week too. So other than that, I say, if you got nothing else to add? No, I have nothing else to add. Anything else I'll add, I'll just do it next week. Okay. So, so let's get the hell out of here. In closing, we would like to thank you all for downloading this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please click the subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be notified when a new episode becomes available. Another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review. It will help new listeners find this show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to. Also, you, our listeners, can share this show on your own social media accounts to help spread the word about this podcast. Thanks again to all our current and longtime listeners. Used and abused can be found on the following social media platforms. Twitter at used abused pod. Facebook at used abused pod. Tumblr used abused pod. Instagram used and abused pod. Again, and spelled out A N D. YouTube used and abused pod. Speaking of YouTube, be paying attention. I, we actually went back to back weeks of uploading videos on a Tuesday. So we're expecting to get that one's ready to go. And every Tuesday you should have a new video from here on out and email. You can email us at used and abused pod at gmail.com. Again, that and is spelled out a and D as always, all social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode. So you can always click on those links as well. Also just a reminder, you want $10 off, off of Bandbox monthly subscription. It will be down below in the description of this episode. We can be found on the following podcast apps and directories. Anchor. iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music. Google Podcasts. Pocket Casts. Overcast. Breaker. CastBox. Radio Public. Spotify. TuneIn. And Stitcher. Please rate and review using using music podcast. Until next episode. Have, have a great weekend. And a great work week. Be kind to everyone. And And keep keep the music playing. playing.